Good afternoon, my name is George, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to Cozen O'Connor Public Strategy Series about the latest developments in politics and policy in D.C. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford. Uh, I'm with Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and I'm joined today on our call uh, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Mark Howard, great to be with you again. Blake, thanks. Good to be here. Uh, as we alerted our listeners last go-round, we would be back after uh, the voting took place in Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Washington State, Georgia, among other places, which it did on Tuesday night, um, and an interesting evening. Um, I, we'll get into whether it really means much about much, but Mark, the Democrats woke up the day after the election pretty excited. Why don't we start with um, kind of some top, your top-line thoughts about what happened on Tuesday? I think, Blake, it was a good night for the good guys, the good guys in that sentence, in my view, being the Democrats. <laughs> I think that, once again, nobody saw it coming. That was true a year ago in a very different direction. So there's a lot of sorting out to do, I think, because um. I'm not sure it's ever one size fits all, and some of the different developments are worth looking at individually. But having said all that, a bad night for Donald Trump, because to the degree you can point to one thing that united all of the disparate and different results, it was that people showed up to to be counted against him. But Howard, is that really? I mean, it, I want to stick with Virginia first, and then we can we can talk about some other states. I mean, is that really a surprise? I mean, Trump had an approval rating of, it, depending on going into this election, you know, thirty-five to forty percent. Exit polls say it came out about forty percent. Disapproval was fifty-seven-ish, and of the People who disapproved of Trump, they went overwhelmingly for the Democrat. If you look at Virginia's voting history, not really surprising. But Democrats are making a really, really big deal about this. Do you think they should be? I, I do. I mean, I think on some level <laughs> we've almost come to expect the unexpected after after last year. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think – the question I woke up and asked myself was, is, is all politics still local? Mm -hmm. Is it really still local? And I think the answer the answer is no. The answer, and, and I had that question going into yesterday because, and I think this was very important from that perspective, clearly this was a repudiation of Trump, but I don't think we knew going into it whether that was going to be the case or not. We now know that it is. So... If I'm the Democrats today, I'm feeling pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, Mark, that was that uh, to Howard's point. I mean, if if we had this call 
72 hours ago. <laughs> um, we, we insiders, we now know what the voters thought, but, but the insiders would be talking about, you know, the, the Northam campaign not necessarily being the most well-run political campaign we've seen. A couple of big unforced errors uh, out of that campaign. We'd be talking about Donna Brazil's book and how the Democratic Party is in disarray and dysfunctional. Terry McAuliffe even brought that up um, as having an effect, potentially an effect. We know it didn't now. And, and then this mix of maybe Gillespie had kind of figured it out. You know, Trumpism without Trump. Um, those things didn't turn out to be true to, to, to Howard's point. But you said we didn't see it coming. I mean, I think there's a there's a bit of a reason why, and I want to dig a little well, deeper there. Everything that you just said, we would have said 72 hours ago. By the way, most of which we did say the last time right. we had this call. <laughs> right. All of it turned out to be true, but turned out not to matter. And that's where the puzzle has to be solved. And I think what happened yesterday uh, both uh, confirms and rebuts what Howard just said about how all politics used to be local, but now it's, it's not. And I say that because what happened that was really interesting yesterday was what happened locally. Yeah, Phil Murphy got elected governor in New Jersey. That's a good thing. A lot of us know and respect Phil. We're happy he's governor. We're happy Chris Christie's not. That's hardly an epic achievement for the Democratic <laughs> Party. Even electing a governor in Virginia isn't that historic. We have elected two in a row, right? And now, now three. So those two top-line results are very welcome for Democrats, especially Virginia, but they aren't game-changing uh, uh, elections. What, what is potentially, potentially the evidence of a pivot and a turning of the tide is what happened at uh, the local level in so many places. We were just talking before we got on the call how Delaware County, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, which had never, ever, never, ever, meaning since the Civil War and before, elected a Democrat to the county council, two races, two Democrats. That actually is what I woke up to this morning. It made national news. Right. And that happened all over Pennsylvania. It happened all over Virginia. It happened in New Hampshire. It happened, it happened in Georgia. In Georgia. But, but, but the question is why, Mark? And, and to me, um, there were two things that I think were, um, that were kind of stunning to me. One is... Um, the amount of votes that Ed Gillespie got in Virginia would have won any other Virginia gubernatorial election right. ever, which means one thing. The Democrats turned out right. the vote. Uh, why did they turn out the vote? They turned out the vote because, and I have been saying things on these calls recently that are counter to this, they turned out the vote because people hate Donald Trump. That's one reason. 
the thing that really blew me away when I was looking at, at the exit polling yesterday before we knew who'd won was that 37% of um, the people who voted in Virginia on the question of which one of these five issues mattered most in deciding how you voted for governor today, 37% of those polled said healthcare. healthcare. Yeah, right. That I took a picture, I took a screenshot of it because it, it so blew me away. They just elected a guy who's for the pub, a public option. Maine, 60% of the electorate voted to expand Medicaid in a state that is a swing state, small but a swing state that can go either way. To me, the repudiation of Trump and the front and center nature of healthcare in this election is like st is stunning and bodes incredibly well for the nationalization, if you will, of all politics and bodes well for the Democrats. I agree. And this isn't going to be as uh, fun as some of our calls where we get to yell at each other. We can do that. We'll, we're going to work our way to it. I'll pick a fight just for sport if I have to. But but I want to go back to what you just said uh, about health care. And then I want to though, point out something that cuts a little bit the other way uh, in the spirit of disagreeing. But yes, health care. Health care, what happened in Maine is as significant as what happened at the gubernatorial level in either state. And it is the third rail. The third rail of American politics used to be Social Security. Reagan killed yeah. the Democrats with that for a decade. It, it Can't take now, anything away. It's now health care. It's, it's what the Republicans said would happen eight years ago if the Affordable Care Act were passed. Can't take anything away. And I think the Republicans actually... As poorly as they did, it would have been worse had they actually succeeded in taking anything away. They got buried, and they didn't even take anything away. So health care is, I think, the core issue as an issue that united all of these results. Trump, obviously, as a personality. But the point is that Republicans, were rejected. Not Donald Trump, he was on every ballot, everywhere, he's the president. But people stood in the rain in our township, Lower Marion Township, people stood in the rain in the dark, it being no longer daylight savings time, to vote for nothing, for school board. I, I've been telling people for a year now, you've heard me say it, the party's hollow, Democratic Party's hollow, you got to start over at the beginning, you got to start getting people left to the school board. That happened in Lower Marion Township yesterday. Well, and, and Mark, I want to I want to build on that point because we obviously we are paying a lot of attention to the to the very top. Um, you know, in Washington State, uh, swing district, um, and their and their legislature flipped to the Democrats. Now the Democrats have total control of. Um, of Washington state government, right. which is interesting as we think about what 2020 might look like. Georgia lost its supermajority. Georgia lost its supermajority in the Senate, which means, you know, it's, it's the governor's no longer veto-proof, um, which has implications for, right. 
for disruption. It seemed that well, and Virginia House of Delegates. And the Virginia House of Delegates still were still by a hair. Yeah. With the recount going. Right, yeah. right. recount still going, still close. We'll see whether that ends up 49, 51, 50, 50, or 51, 49. I think we've got two that are still out. I but that's right. I, I don't hold me to that, you, you know, how good my fact checker is. Um, but the, the point being that, you know, Mark Democrats did have struggled. I mean, a thousand lost seats in, under the Obama administration, the DNC kind of broke and not able to party build as much. I mean, and this is a start. With that, this is a start. This is, you know, be uh, literary for a second. Uh, after the Allies won against the uh, Germans in North Africa, Churchill was asked, is this the beginning of the end of uh, Germany? And he said, it's not the beginning of the end, but it is the end of the beginning. This is the end of the beginning phase of the Trump phenomenon. It is not the beginning of the end. First of all, he's not on the ballot for three more years, if parenthetically he's still president then. And it's a year, and a lot is going to happen What's in the it? next year before the midterms. But, but what I want to just say is, um, and again, this goes to the all politics is local, but it's national. This goes to health care, but Trump. Loudoun County, Virginia was to me the most interesting thing I learned last night. Loudoun County, Virginia, which is suburban Washington, exurban maybe Washington, three years ago, three years ago, Ed Gillespie running against uh, Mark Warner won Loudoun County. He beat Mark Warner, who went on to beat Gillespie statewide, in Loudoun County. Hillary Clinton beats Donald Trump in Loudoun County by 10 points last year. But last night, Ralph Northam beats Ed Gillespie by 20 points. Just he he lost 23 points. It's not what, it's where. Suburban Philadelphia. Yes, my Loudoun yeah. County. Right. My suburbs of Richmond. Last night right. was the return and revenge of yeah. the suburbs. And what is so significant about that? Well, I don't know that Mark that it's the revenge of the suburbs. I think it's the suburbs flipping. It's I mean it's right. it's well, people that elected Donald Trump a year ago not showing up to the polls. But here's what to me two things very interesting about that. And I do agree that of all the issues, healthcare was twice, three times away the most significant. But the people in Delaware County and Loudoun County who voted Republican a year ago, three years ago, and voted Democrat last night didn't lose their health insurance. Nobody did. And weren't going to lose their health insurance. They just don't like what the Republicans have been doing all together on health care. It wasn't even personal, you can't take this away from me, it was, you can't do this to our our country and, and to our culture. And the significance of that is that these suburban areas outside of Washington, outside of Philadelphia, Westchester County, New York, same phenomenon, although New York was a pretty solidly blue state uh, last year, 
But the significance is that that's where the contested House elections are going to be. The rural areas, which may still be red and still be for Trump, that's where the base is. Those are not, they are gerrymandered beyond description, and those are not vulnerable districts. The swing districts that are going to determine control of the House of Representatives in in the midterm elections are in the places that last night flipped. And and we'll see see what the world looks like in a year. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, I think as with every election, we it either means the world or you know, to the to the victors, it means everything. To the yeah. losers, it's eh, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, and the enthusiasm gap that was something I want to explore a little bit. Howard, your point. I mean, Democrats showed up. Yeah. Um, they were able to energize um, their base, something they were not able to do in 2016. Um, and and people were willing to yeah. stand out in the rain and and get this and and, and cast votes for in some. Places relatively yeah. minor things that have nothing to do with Donald exactly. J. Trump. Things that have nothing right. to do with Donald Trump. Um, what do you think about you know harnessing enthusiasm is always difficult because you you have these rally moments and then people go back to their lives and you know I'm not suggesting that the president's all of a sudden going to figure out this politics thing, but what do you kind of think comes next? Well. After yeah. Yeah. No. That. No. That's Just added a word that didn't need to be there. That's. Um, you know, Trump isn't stupid, and he's not static. And. Well, yeah. He. What we're going to disagree on. Okay. Fine. I mean, he got elected president of the United States when nobody thought that was possible, and he's not my favorite guy in the, in, in the world, and um, so on and so forth, but. He's not stupid. He's not politically stupid. And his positions shift every day, and maybe that's a knock against him. But if anybody thinks that he's going to take this sitting down, he's, he's not. He's going to figure out why it happened, and he's going he's gonna to actually pivot. Well, no, he's not because he is who he is, and I was hoping you were going to use that word. <laughs> I used it purposely, Mark. I, thank you for the setup. There's no pivot. There's no pivot. I've said that more times than even I. He's not going to pivot from who he fundamentally is he and how he looks at the world. You're right. He can't. But, 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 let's, here's where we can agree. But he's also not going to, he's not going, going to look to at the result happen. and tear down health care. Things are going to happen between now and November of 2018 that are going to make that election different than this election. And one of the things that's going to happen is maybe another year of a Trump presidency, and he's going to do whatever he does. It's very hard to see what he does to fix what happened last night. But but what, what I wanted to do, if I may, is just amend Blake's question and set up to you because it wasn't just Democrats. What happened last night, as best we can tell in the very early deconstruction, is that independents, independents who a year ago in Loudoun County 
may have voted for Donald Trump didn't, didn't last night vote Republican. And that sort of goes back to your very first point, Blake, which is the president has spent a year cementing his 35%. That didn't go anywhere last night. That isn't going anywhere in the next year. I don't know what I don't know what he can do to get back the independents and suburban Republicans who a year ago just hated her, didn't want anything to do with a Hillary Clinton administration, and said, okay, let's just see what this guy can do. Uh, it, it was more than Democratic turnout uh, alone. Yeah, I mean, Howard, do you, your point, because I'm, I'm fascinated by what comes next, and, and I'll go ahead and represent that. I think both of you can see the future. I can't. So you can. <laughs> of course. It's good. Um, it's good, but... but to that end, Mark, I mean, this <clears throat> this notion of independence and Democrats sort of taking a step back, looking at Trump's year, is it too simple to say, look, I've, I've seen all I need to see here. Um, this isn't getting better. Um, this president's not going to improve. Pivot, no pivot. But does this election signal that Trump is on an irreversible course. I think that's what Democrats want this election to signal. What do you guys think about that? I think Trump is on an irreversible course. I don't know that the Republican Party, to the extent there is such a thing any longer, is on an irreversible course. I don't know that Republican candidates can't find a way in the next year to have a different result as to them next November, if not as to Trump, who is not pivoting and is on an irreversible course. And, and, and Howard has been an exponent of this point, and, and I've sadly had to agree with him, the Democratic Party hasn't exactly come together. <laughs> You had all kinds of things going on last night. You had people endorsed by the Revolution Party or whatever Bernie's calling the movement who won in some places. You had people who thought Bernie wasn't even a Democrat, which she's not, went in in other places. The Democratic Party, Democratic candidates won last night. The Democratic Party didn't necessarily and, and just one more point, if I may. This is the God. Point. I hope we have the timer on you today. Yeah, I know. I'm hogging the mic. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'll please, Mark. Finish. I don't want to interrupt your yeah, monologue. That's my point. We we rebranded the Beltway briefing to the Mark Alderman show. We're, Howard, we're just we're just here, man. I've had nothing to say for a year. I reserve excited to I reserve time. All I wanted to say was to agree with you. The oh, they keep talking. The Democrats still have nothing to say. Well, yeah, and I want to talk. I want to come back we to the said Democrats. We have nothing to we, say. We last don't have. Night. Yeah, the Democratic Party doesn't have yeah. one. But I'm I'm not, I'm fascinated too, Howard, by this by this notion of national local because I think Democrats have have been the mindset of look we if we can recruit strong candidates with local ties who know their communities who understand the electorate of how to win in that place as opposed to trying to run a 
on a national platform that Mark has indicated doesn't exist and none of us can identify, even if someone said it did. Republicans now are, appear to be kind of in this conundrum of what do I do with Trump? They have the benefit of looking at Gillespie, who tried it one way. That didn't work. But, again, Virginia's an interesting test ground for that. I'm curious why he didn't run the campaign he ran two years ago and with, in which he had a lot of success. But what do you think the, the Republicans – how do they sort of recalibrate – themselves, especially these members who are in who are in tough races, yeah, because um, there are a lot of those. Well, I think we, I'm not a huge fan of uh, looking back and and at 2016 and drawing too many uh, lessons, but that's more on the presidential level. I think there are races to look back at from last year, like Pat Toomey, for example, yeah, um, where they did in a state that could have gone either way. Very, where he very effectively had his cake and ate it too. And I think they need to look back and, and, and study those races and see what worked. Gillespie, um, he just, first of all, he's, there's no authenticity. I mean, look, he's an insider. He's an insider running as an outsider. Right. Sorry. <laughs> People don't buy it. People can see through it. So I just don't think he was the right messenger for the message that works in these times. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, you know, we don't want to do, we don't want to spend too much time deconstructing the campaigns themselves, but I, I couldn't help thinking, and I kind of want to just stick with this for a minute. I mean, I really couldn't help thinking as I was watching returns come in last night, and I was kind of went back and watched a lot of the ads and sort of kind of retraced the sort of arc of these campaigns. I kept. I kept asking myself, why is he running this campaign? Why? I mean, I get Trump, but why is he running this campaign? I mean, he's been down this road before, almost shocked the world in beating Senator Warner in a race that no one gave him any any chance in, less of a chance than people gave him in this race. And and I, I can't come up with a good answer uh, except Trump. And and they overlearned the lessons of. 2016, maybe, but um, but it just it, it well it. If you just pay attention to it, they were both kind of two just odd campaigns. I think, yeah, the other thing is, once again, the pollsters yeah, failed. Well, yeah, right. I mean, they failed. Yeah. The polling. Got the guy right. They just got the margin. The margin. Way, way wrong. Way, That's way, my point. That's way, my point. Way wrong. That's my yeah. point. Gillespie had to run hard, hard right in a primary to get the nomination. And he just never came back. Right now, why he didn't is your question. I yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was strange, but but um, uh, because he's such an insider, post Trump, he had to complete. He had to try to completely rebrand himself in order to be competitive, and it turned out he just couldn't do it. Well, and and to your point, even even if he had gotten it all right. Voters' memories are long. I mean, they it wasn't long ago that a different version of Ed Gillespie was running statewide, and now all of a sudden it's Gillespie Trump point oh, right. and that does make it hard. Although to your point, Howard, I mean, he, he did get in any other any other race, yeah. he he got he got a ton of votes, just 
Mr. Northam got a got a whole lot more. Mark, I I still never heard out of the Northam campaign, and and I I, I watched every ad yesterday over the weekend and yesterday thinking about election day. Still never heard a message. I honestly never heard a message. Well, there's a reason for that, yeah, right. <laughs> which is that he actually had serial messages. It, it, it wasn't that he didn't have any message. He had uh, an ever-changing message and and no enduring theme. We're, we're going to find out if the Democrats a year from now. Right, a year from now. Can beat somebody with nobody. This wasn't the election to win in the landslide. The next election is the election to win in the landslide. And it's a good, you'd rather wake up this morning as the Democrats as opposed to the Republicans on a forward looking basis, but anything can happen. Yeah, I was, I mean, that was, that was sort of the, the fear. It was, you know, it's a, a thought I have for the Democrats, which is enjoy the party, get ready for the hangover. Yeah. Um, because it's coming. Um, you know, winning by nine points, um, you know, can mask a lot of a lot of challenges that this party right. really right. faces. I mean, right. Not only structurally, but issues, messaging, and and, again, and lining up candidates. Although you got to believe that after last night, lining up candidates yeah. will be a lot easier. Right. Raising money yeah. will be a lot easier. Getting volunteers will be a lot easier. You still got to have something to, to say. say. Still got to have something to say. But don't don't forget the the something to say part is more a presidential senatorial, even gubernatorial phenomenon than it is a Lower Marion Township school board phenomenon. Well, but... but and that's why the, the battleground is the congressional districts. Right. The Senate is a problem next year. Senate's a problem because of the map. With or without something to say, the Senate is a problem. Well, and you saw that. I mean, I mean, in a lot of these for you know, Virginia House of Delegate um, races, I mean, you had... You had People talking about what you would talk about if you were running out of It's traffic congestion, right. local issues, and and you know not wanting this to turn into to something other than 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 those sorts of things because that's what's going to drive people to show up and vote for a for a for a delegate candidate in the same way a school board candidate can can get Sue Ellen out to vote. So it is um, you know there. I, I remain fascinated, as you can tell, with no with no opinion of my own, but just fascinated about this national local. Yeah. Local no, it, it is. I think it's I think it's this it's the it's going to be the ever changing dynamic. Is it, it this month are we trending this way? This month yeah. are we trending another way? The answer, of course, is it's both. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's that's right. But at some point, we're you know you're gonna somebody's gonna pick a lane in this you know and and they're going to have to figure out, um, you know, how to do this well. I mean, the, I mean, with all love and respect to to our friends at the DCCC, they've lost as many races yeah. trying to nationalize congressional races and turn them into something uh, that they weren't. And and I think Democrats have to have to be cautious. If I were the Democrats today, I would be saying to myself, we need to 
focus in, not take this for granted. Let you know what? Let's let Trump be Trump. Because guess what? That's working pretty well for us as far as turning out our voters. People who are naturally going to repudiate him anyway, people that wouldn't turn out for Hillary Clinton because she was a flawed candidate, um, I think they see a path to to turning people out, but they've still got to be very disciplined. They've got to be exceedingly disciplined on, on message and more unified than... Mark, than you guys are. It's, it's, it's there is no question. There is no message, and there is no unity around anything except we're not Trump. Now, that didn't work for Hillary for a lot of reasons. Right. Yeah. It worked better last night, and the more local you got, the, the more it worked. But on the other side of the aisle... The Republicans' answer du jour, literally, of today, who knows what it'll be in a week or a month, is we got to pass this tax bill. we got to show people that we can do something. I'm not sure that that's going to solve the problem. I'm not sure that that is By the way, version of health care. It isn't going to happen so quickly. <laughs> but if it happens, of course it isn't going to solve the, of yeah. course it isn't going to solve the yeah. problem. It's... And to me, I'm wondering what Trump actually is going to do. I mean, I said he could pivot. I don't think he can, Mark, I don't think he can pivot as a stylistically or or the way he thinks. Um, But he can pivot around any given issue because he does it every day. I mean, he does it all the time. Um, On the other hand, he got... He threw Ed Gillespie under the bus 10 minutes after the election was called. From South Korea. From South Korea. <laughs> like he was sitting he spoke to the National Assembly and then threw Ed Gillespie under the bus, or maybe it was the reverse. <laughs> yeah. um, and in Alabama, he cast his lot with a guy and got trounced down there by, by the presumptive next senator from Alabama, Roy Moore, who's, you know, Questionable. I mean, he's, he's a little crazy, in my opinion. So, um, I, I, what does all that mean I, to me? Like, does it push? Does it actually? Does he actually pivot around something like healthcare? Does he moderate his message? Does he stop, stop tweeting that they're going to tear down Obamacare because the electorate has spoken? Or does this push him more to the crazy? Does this push Trump? Well, does Roy Moore beating Luther Strange, does Ed Gillespie really being an insider running, trying to run as an outsider, does it push Trump even more to the... With the obvious caveat that it is impossible for me, at least, to know what the man actually thinks. If you take his tweet last night about Ed Gillespie as, as an indication... What he said was Gillespie lost because he wasn't enough like me. Right. He didn't buy into who I he didn't am. Didn't embrace me and what I stand for. Or something. Yeah. Well, now well. that that isn't the tweet of a guy who is sitting there thinking, "Wow, I maybe I got to soften my stance on some of these issues." The thing about healthcare uh, that I think has happened in the first year of the Trump administration is that it's now Trump care. He, he owns it. 
they own it, even though they did nothing to it. Well, the by executive order, stop paying the cost-sharing reductions, which is a real thing. I don't mean to minimize it, but it's hardly a repeal and certainly not a replacement of anything. It's just a taken away. But they own it. They own it. And, and doing something other than repealing it is, is what a pivot would be. Wow. We'll, we'll see. We will see. But in the meantime, uh, it sure would be good if from the bottom up, a message arose on the Democratic side. Well, and, and let's stick with health care just a little bit because there is there's some talk, a little maneuvering. Tom Cotton is trying to look at maybe there's a way to, to repeal the individual mandate within a tax reform bill. I mean, at whether the, I mean we hear all the time. Look, healthcare is not right. done. Bad. We're going to take our ninth bite at this apple, and this will be the this will be the way to figure it out. How right. from, from a policy perspective, where do you see? I mean, we're we are you know kind of winding down the the this calendar year in terms of legislative business. What do you what do you what's going to happen policy wise? A between kind of now and the end of term. Well. I think there's a rush to failure on tax reform, yeah. at least for this year. I don't see, I don't, I don't see it getting done. I, I think that um, all the talk about the House bill is fine. The Senate's going to drop a bill tomorrow. It's where all the action is. Um, but this notion that uh, they they are going to get something done because they need to get something done, it, it's like. First of all, we've heard it all before. Second of all, it just isn't how the sausage making works. People cast votes. People like Susan Collins from Maine cast votes. And there is no way on God's green earth she's voting to repeal the ACA or touch it in any significant way after 59% of her state just voted to expand Medicaid. It just isn't going to happen. So if you're going to start packaging stuff like that with policy changes like tax reform, which, by the way, is overly ambitious in the first place, you're not going to get anywhere. So they're not going to get something done because they need to get something done. They're going to get something done if it's good policy and it has enough votes to pass the Senate and the House, and they're a long way from anything major happening in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I amend that? They're going to get something done if they have enough votes to pass the Senate and House. It doesn't have to be good policy because a lot of what is being discussed in but it hasn't passed, Mark. Right, right. No, I for a reason. Well, a lot of, of course, a lot of bad policy gets discussed all day, every day. It it happens if it should happen, and it doesn't if it doesn't, and and yeah. even it, it happens yeah. sometimes even if it shouldn't. But it, it, right, right. What? So, um, I mean, what are the political implications of that? I mean, the Republicans. You know, you we've talked a, a lot, and rightfully so, about you know them feeling this need to deliver on something, and and you know politics. Washington can be its own kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. You say it enough, and then yeah, like the entire fun. town now believes they're right. going to do tax reform because they need <laughs> to do tax reform, right, which right. is the biggest bunch of BS I've ever heard in my life. That's, uh, you you you, well, you beat me to the punchline, but I was going to ask you whether. You know how much you know how much truth there really there really is to this, and and Mark, I want you to weigh in on the politics of this well, because they will 
exit the year without achieve without doing anything on either big measure that they said they were going to do when they gaveled in in January. I I expect to see a reprise of repeal and replace. I do think the House no way will pass something. Not now. Not when one not when more when more than a third of the voters in a swing state say that health care was their primary no, issue. No, I'm not when I say reprise of repeal and replace, I don't mean on the affordable care act. I mean tax reform is going to go the way of repeal and replace. Tax, the House is going to pass a tax bill. It's going to send it to the Senate, and it's not going anywhere in a hurry in the Senate, is what I'm saying. Okay, got it. Yeah, I do think maybe it's by Thanksgiving, maybe it's not, probably not, but but never say never. Certainly by the end of the year, the House is going to pass a tax bill, I expect. The Senate's not. The Senate's way, not. By the way, we've got the debt ceiling <laughs> and government funding yeah. coming up in early December. Yeah. I mean, talk about two things that have the potential, not have the potential. Talk about two things that will get in the way of another agenda. Forget it. Right. Debt ceiling, you have uh, government funding, including disaster relief funds, which has its own political mm -hmm. dynamic with Texas and Florida, not Puerto Rico. And you have sequestration, which has to be addressed in government spending. They, right. They have other things they have Look, to do. Governing is much different than campaigning. And the Republican Party has now had the pen for almost a year, every pen, and isn't getting it done. And there's basically a civil war going on inside the Republican Party. By the way, there's also basically a civil war going on inside the Democratic Party. And whoever gets their act together first is uh, the Democrats have a decided advantage after yesterday, but whoever figures that puzzle out first has a better chance going into next year. The greatest advantage the Democrats have going into next year is not having the responsibility right. of government. Exactly, that's right. the point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why off-year elections go to the party out it's of... It's not just uh, off-year elections. It's why the story. president's party loses... Right, midterms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but what you asked politically, Blake, about tax reform. I, my view is that it doesn't get done anytime soon. It probably does get done sometime early next year. But there, but it, I don't see it solving the problem presented by last night's election results. Something else may. Well, years a long time, but I don't see how passing or not passing a tax bill fixes what happened last night. Well, you can't refer to it as it, because tax reform as it has been proposed today is very different than what, if anything passes, will ultimately be passed. It is, I think, probable that it, at the end of the day, is some tax cut, some form of a middle-class tax cut. That is a winning political move 
for the Republicans going into 2018. A massive rewrite of the tax code that's not tax reform, it's tax cut, but it's a corporate tax cut. Yeah, I just centrally today. I just see what it looks like. I don't I just don't think they're going to go that way at the end of the day because I think it's too complicated. The math doesn't work. The pay-fors aren't there. Right. And I think we'll see some sort of tax relief as opposed to massive corporate tax reform. It's just too yeah. – I just don't see it. Well, uh, certainly to be continued, I think that um, it'll be it'll be an interesting finish to the year. As, as I said, I'm fascinated to see oh. – we get a little bit farther away from from these results, um, how both parties handle it, um, and and what the what kind of thought leadership comes out of that from both sides. Because I think politically, it'll be fascinating. Um, and um, I certainly want to thank you guys for taking the time to to sit down and, and explain it all to me. I'm grateful. Um, we'll be back again um, soon. We'll let everyone know. Uh, when our next call is, as always, comments, criticisms, especially the moderator, are welcomed. You can reach us at presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. In the meantime, Mark Howard, thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines.